0: Hello everyone, this is Raise Your Voice, as part of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Brett Rutherford, joined as always by Darby Robinson. Darby, it's always a great time when the Rays beat the Yankees, and they continue playing some really good baseball, taking two of three from the Bronx Bombers, or as they used to be called, now they're they're just sitting in last place. Uh, At Tropicana Field, things got a little feisty in Sunday afternoon's game, uh, but ultimately, the Rays move on. They continue in the playoff hunt. The Yankees floundering, uh, have little to no hope remaining this season. But the Rays are only two and a half games out of first place now, still very much in the hunt for the AL East title, chasing down the Baltimore Orioles. How are we feeling?
1: It's always good to come away from a Yankee series on top with the yankees team trying their best to chirp and yap and try to start something and fail miserably at it as the rays take the high road and take the wins which which matter more than anything else so it's just nice to see like a lot of salty you know yankees fans on twitter and the team itself just like seemingly floundering and the rays just being arising above what what is you know just your your classic last place team that's frustrated that's rudderless that's taking out all of that on a division rival and knowing that like if there's a fight if there's a jose ramirez knocking out tim anderson type of thing if Yandi diaz Colcox, ian hamilton and sends ian hamilton into the shadow realm that's fine the yankees might win a game or two that hamilton would have blown but yandy would be out for you know two weeks potentially uh and that's a huge blow to the rays so you it's really hard and i'm just i'm very glad to be done facing the yankees this year they're a team that not that they're a good team this year. They're not. They're, the The Rays were able to handle them. They are able to handle Aaron Judge. He went hitless in the series. They were able to handle the baseball part really well. But there's always this, the last couple years under the Boone Yankees, there's been this headhunting through either incompetence or malice that you just don't want to deal with. And we saw Yandy Diaz take a, a, take a bad hit by pitch the next time he was at bat after hitting a home run in game one. And he missed the next two games. That that would have been really helpful to have him. The Rays still won, but like he is a you know he is the integral. He is the MVP of this team this year for sure. And that you can't risk you know losing him or losing Randy or losing Isak Paredes, who who had a ball hit off of his helmet in his head. Uh, so it's just I'm glad to be done with the Yankees. They won the season series. They got two out of three. And now they don't have to deal with this team until
0: April. Yeah, because uh, clearly Yankees sitting at 62 and 68. Fan graphs gives them a 0.1% chance of making the postseason. I want to talk a little bit about the Yankees because the last few years, it's been the Rays and the Yankees battling out for the AL East. Uh, The Yankees got it last year. The Rays got it two years prior. Uh, it's been a fun battle, I think, between those two teams. That at times has gotten has gone a little over the edge, uh, specifically back in that that 2020 series, and then again in the postseason. Um, but yeah, the Yankees are in a really interesting spot. They've got clearly one of the best players, uh, probably top five players in the entire game, in Aaron Judge, who had an historic season last year and has played pretty well when he's been healthy this year, but. He hasn't stayed consistently healthy, like at all in his career. Besides last season when he hit you know sixty two home runs, um, and and broke the American League record. Where do the Yankees go from here? I mean, is is this it for Aaron Boone? Is this potentially it for for Brian Cashman, who's been there for twenty five odd years as the GM?
1: I'm 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 kind of curious to see what they do. They they have not been a very uh, react. They have not been very reactive, uh, and they haven't really even been that proactive either, which has been odd. They've sort of been very steady, stay the course. Mm-hmm. Um, the Steinbrenner brothers have been very much in the we. They've spent their money. Uh, they don't want to go after huge, big name guys. They can go after sort of the mid range, expensive like Carlos Rodon, uh, but like the judge extension was like their big move of last off season. And they kind of the last few years have stared away from being the big spenders. They have not been the Steve Cohen uh, spending spree. They have been very much wanting to stay under that luxury tax. So I, I don't know if they like the Steinbrenners think that Cashman and, you know, Boone are doing a bad job or if they just got bad luck this year with injuries. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I think there was still some big warning flags that I think we talked about in the off season with the Yankees, like that rotation was really good. Number top four was really good, but you had a question mark at number five and you had no depth below that. And that's, that's a big issue, especially when you have like Carlos Rodon as one of those guys who's, who's had like a ton of injuries in his, in his career. Um, So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tricky thing. We They've seen, you know, Nestor Cortez who again, he's been injured, but like you also could say you're banking on a lot of, or no regression basically yeah. happening from Nestor Cortez and he's been good when healthy, but again, he's been hurt. You also are looking at like you need John Carlos Stanton healthy. The man is clearly like he can't run anymore or if he does try to run there, it could potentially explode his quads and knees Uh, He'll he'll be like Kevin Hart, just like, you know, his entire lower body exploding, trying to run. Uh, And, I mean, they are in a certain spot. Like, you know, Aaron Judge is is an amazing player. He is a joy-to-watch, extremely likable guy, too. I mean, everybody likes Aaron Judge. Like, he is – anything you can say about the Yankees, especially regardless to their fans – Uh, Aaron Judge is above all that. He is he is a truly like top tier guy, but he's also getting older, and he is a big body. And we have seen that like it can sometimes be tough to keep physical like excellence at that size year after year after year, especially at especially needing you know him to basically carry the weight of that team. So it seems like they're going younger. They have a lot of young talent. They've they've. Kind of unleashed all the kids. So they're kind of, they're not in a rebuild, but like they, they didn't sign shortstops or trade for shortstops because of, of Volpe. They, they have not kind of gone after outfielders because of, uh, they had like Jason Dominguez and, and Pereira and, and, and guys that they want to like take those roles. So it'll be interesting to see like how far the Yankees go next year is going to be on. The health of some of these older older players uh and vets and the emergence of some of these young players which is is a different situation for the yankees to be in and i i'm very curious to see if boone keeps his job i i i do think my my whole thing with managers is i think most fans way overvalue how much impact a manager has on their team i think the vast majority of managers have a negligible impact i think some have i think a very strong positive impact Mm -hmm. and i think some have a very strong negative impact and i do think aaron boone is in the very strong negative impact i think it's not for any of the reasons any yankee fan thinks but i do think aaron boone the comments that you heard coming out of this locker room after they just lost another series And have hit the Rays twelve times to the Rays retaliating twice, and then seeing them like be like, "Yeah, I can't wait to face." Like, I wish I had another game against them to face the reliever who got lit up for four runs and hung the L on the deciding game. Is talking smack in the locker room after after you just dropped to six games below 500. That is a testament to Aaron Boone just not having any control over this this locker.
0: And, and the guy, like you know, okay, if you didn't hit our player intentionally, then you just have terrible commands with your fastball. Like, yeah. <laughs> I,
1: think. I mean, this is the thing—they they hit twelve rays this year. That's either again in in less games or
0: malice. Like, They're they playing less games against each other yeah. now too.
1: It, it's one of those things where it's like I, I think Brian Cashman is a is a good GM that was handed a tough hand by of by stingier ownership it's a it's a much more money than a lot of teams get but it's still a lot less than the yankees normally get mm-hmm. i also think he's taken some I, I think it's very fair to say that brian cashman deserves quite a bit of blame for what's going on because i think he took some poor risks mm-hmm. i mean i think the john carlos stanton like contract is a it was a great move at the time but you do know that like it's it's a move that you know is going to age poorly And it's now aging poorly, but like you can cover that up. You can absorb that money. Carlos Rodon, it was a big risk, but he is a guy that has had a ton of injuries, but he's a very good pitcher. All these things though, is I I look at, it's like, okay, where's the backup behind all these things? That's where the Rays getting back to the Rays. That's where the Rays have been able to withstand one of the worst injury filled seasons. Like the Yankees are going to talk about how they got riddled with injuries boo freaking who! The Rays lost three pitchers better than any pitcher the Ra- the, the Yankees lost. Uh, uh, you can argue with Carlos Rodon, but, like, whatever. Uh, that's, like, three potential Cy Young candidates that the, the Rays lost and have not missed a beat pitching. It's because they have depth. You build out that depth. And the Yankees have no excuse not to be able to build out competent depth throughout the minor leagues, throughout the major leagues to have veterans that can like fill roles it's it's absolutely deserves some blame on cashman's feet and boone's feet i think they probably are getting too much heat from the new york media but i don't think they are blameless in all this
0: yeah and i just look at the yankees and two very clear superstars right judge and cole are Two of the best players in Major yeah. League Baseball, and I, top
1: five in their positions for sure.
0: And I don't see that like I know Judge is a little older for when he hit free agency because of when he was brought up and everything. Like I, I see that contract being mostly a win, and, and you do get the the factor where he is their captain. And then it's like the last couple of years, it's been kind of pieced together. You bring in guys like you just look at the guys that have been on their roster, uh, guys Josh like, Donaldson, like Josh Donaldson, right? Like. Anthony Rizzo just—I he, know he's hurt right now too—and dealing with a lot of stuff this season. Another maybe mismanagement uh, with his concussion. yeah. I mean,
1: that's 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 the other thing too. Is I think you we have to like mention like Anthony Rizzo had a really great start to the season. He then got concussed. He then went on a two-month cold streak since the point of concussion. They've now basically said that it was like kind of post-concussion syndrome. I mean their post concussion symptoms. I don't know what's going on there. That Domingo Herman has to be removed from the team because he's in a drunken, you know, like fit in the locker room and then they according to the they like told this to the press that they locked him in the sauna to kind of keep him to have him like sweat off the alcohol, which is medically could have sent him into cardiac arrest. You do not raise the temperature of somebody who is who is like absolute blackout drunk like he was. That like, so what is happening in terms of not seeing symptoms from Rizzo? Is anybody feel comfortable talking to anybody? Like this is that whole culture of like holistic management, right? That you look at the rays and people think that the rays are this cold calculating machine that just basically sees, you know, numbers and bloops instead of actual humans. But instead you have like Kyle Snyder calling guys, talking to people in the off season, like actually like investing in who they are as human beings. So that if somebody is potentially hurt or not feeling right, they can actually speak up about it. So I don't know what's going on in the Yankees clubhouse, but this year you've seen two horrific bits of like, why is Anthony Rizzo playing for two months and, and being terrible, but all because he's, Suffering, and yeah. Domingo Herman has had his demons in the past. But like, what what ha- What is happening? What is going on there? And it and it's not been transparent with the media there. So like, there there is some some weird stuff that makes me thankful that the Rays are not run like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, luckily, we're done with them this season. Don't have to worry about that. Um, although the last thing I'll say about uh, the the. Fluffle from the weekend was when Jose Siri was 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 <laughs> running onto the field towards a I did not think he was going out there to defuse the situation, uh, but I'll give him credit. Very, right,
1: good calm. Yeah, Siri just breaking
0: it up. And and the Brandon Lau wins for best post game comments. Um, Kevin Cash took the more mild mannered route. Uh, which mm-hmm. I thought he also did a good job with that. Um, maybe he just didn't want to be suspended for a game without pay. <laughs> he like like that's the thing with uh, with uh, like you know big, like we talk about like these players they don't mind being suspended like they're multimillionaires. Well, well, Kevin Cash does very very well for himself, I'm sure. Like I don't know, maybe I just don't want to take uh, a game's worth of pay away. <laughs>
1: the family really wants to do that Italy vacation in this offseason. season and.
0: All the resort is... costs a lot of money, so... All I have to do is not say anything mean about the Yankees or the, or the umpires.
1: A team that, I mean, yeah, it, it's been, it was, it's some trying patience, the the last, this last series with umpires and strike zones, and Kevin Cash is a bigger man than I, let's just say that.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, well, let's, let let's, let's uh, move on and, and talk about where the Rays are headed now um the rest of the season I, well, let's, let's just jump over to the other team in the American League East that the Rays are trying to chase not that they're looking down on the Baltimore Orioles who like I'm sorry I feel bad for Felix Bautista but everyone saw this coming like they were they, they literally mm-hmm. rode him until his arm fell off we, we noticed it in that series against the Rays where the Orioles I, I don't I can't even take to their credit like they were going after like it was the World Series and they've jumped ahead of the race in the schedule now but they're now without one of their most valuable pieces and that is who the guy who was the best closer of baseball Felix Bautista. uh UCL injury I don't believe there's been a determination whether or not he'll get surgery it's not mm-hmm. looking good for the big man though it, it was it was not conf- was it confirmed that he's done for the year it's one of those where it's, like, highly unlikely. It's, like, similar to the Shane McClanahan diagnosis that we got early on.
1: Right. Yeah, I I mean, like, it seems, I think, for... I think we can all say he's done for the year without it being confirmed. But I wasn't sure if they had finally made that decision. Um, no, I mean, it, it does suck. Like, he is a absolutely incredible, incredible closer. Like, just absolutely one of the most dominant. He had a potential Cy Young, like... Again, if Otani doesn't exist as a human, uh, like like Felix Bautista might have a Cy Young like candidacy as a closer, which is very hard to do. Um, but the Baltimore was it was they they are a team, Baltimore this year, which has been kind of middle of the road on offense, middle of the road in a lot of stats, you know, top 10 maybe in some, but like lower half not a standout in any really regard except for really good in close games. Like those, those one or two run games, they have just won again and again and again. And it's because of kind of the two headed monster of Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista. And they have needed Bautista to close out so many games because he is basically when the, when the Baltimore Orioles are winning, it's usually close and it's usually Bautista finishing the job. And, Oftentimes he's been getting these multi-inning uh saves down the stretch. So it it's it's a it's a tough strategy because we were all talking about it like is he gonna be able to survive this year? Like and and a lot of it was like, okay, maybe he survives the regular season, but like you now have another full month in October, and every game is close, every game is tough. Like he you are basically in only high intensity moment. So I know a lot of people really get upset with the way Kevin Cash manages a bullpen sometimes um there's been a few occasions when uh somebody has taken in you know, uh like the the contrarian view to how Kevin Cash has chosen to use a bullpen right uh like it, for instance the game one against the Yankees Gary Cole it was a close to it was two one. Trevor Kelly was just brought back up. The, there was a bullpen day the very night before. So you had Pete Fairbanks. You had Jason Adam. You you had guys that you came back to win against the Colorado Rockies who had just gone, and they had gone twice in that previous series, just in that same week. You're, it's, they were not available. Mm-hmm. So you call up a fresh arm. He's not one of your three, four, five, six best relievers. And... There's some bad luck with not calling strike threes and calling strike threes when they're not there. And he, and he blew the game, but guess what? You can't necessarily win every single game. And so you chase that one. It's two, one. If you lose and you burn Pete Fairbanks, then he's not there for game two. He's not there for game three. And God forbid, like Felix Bartista, now he is not there for the rest of the year, potentially. And Can Baltimore hold on for another month from the Rays, perhaps, but can they do that and go through October? That's tough. That is really, really tough.
0: Yeah, and they still have uh, a really solid bullpen, Cano, and I think Fujinami is going to come up big for them. That's become
1: maybe the biggest and most important trade of the deadline because you had Fujinami and Aaron Savali – very soon after became like, if you don't make that trade, those two teams are in serious trouble.
0: Yeah, like he's immediately like his strikeouts, cut down on his walks. Um it a trade like when it happened. I was like, damn it. Why couldn't the race? I, I love that. I love like that trade. It, just, yeah, yeah. it felt like for, for for the first time in a while, I mean, this happens all the time, but like with the division rival, maybe the Yankees have pulled off a couple moves like this with, with pitchers, but it's like, they just beat us to the punch. Like, you think somewhere in that Rays trading war room, somewhere in that front office, like, Fujinami was a name that had been discussed. And uh, Baltimore just just beat you to it, and it was a good addition to their bullpen. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, tough news for 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 Baltimore. Um, but, again, you know, there goes just another elite pitcher down with a UCL injury, Chiohe Otani being the other one. Um, yeah. okay. maybe he's down for a, for a one year deal with the Rays as a DH next year, or maybe as a, probably not an outfielder if he's getting, if he does get surgery, we'll keep it focused on the Rays who have uh, a road trip this week, which is probably a good thing. Uh, given that, uh, hurricane or tropical, still tropical stormy Dahlia is closing in on Florida. Still a lot of uncertainty on where it's going to end up landing, but they're in Miami for a two-game set. The Citrus series, uh, they get two days off today, Monday, the day we're recording, and then again on Thursday. Then they travel to Cleveland, so should be a good opportunity again to continue the rest to rest the starting pitching. Um, the plan right now, I believe, is Savale Tuesday, Eflin on Wednesday, Glasnow and Latell on Friday, Saturday, and then. Uh, Savale should be good to go again by Sunday, but they might use a bullpen day and just keep these guys rested. Um, because I don't know, like right now, I I think if you're the Rays, I I think the way Kevin Cash manages is he's good at yes, like clearly there's pressure to catch up to the Orioles, uh, but you can also only control what you can control, and the Rays are playing really good baseball right now, and. And right now, you you just hope that Baltimore doesn't stay as hot as they've been for most of the second half of the season. And all you the, can do <laughs> at the rate you're like, you don't need to go out there and force like, okay, Savala, you're not going to get your extra day of rest because we need you to pitch this game so that you can pitch again mm-hmm. next. year. Like, I think the Rays are very much comfortable going into this week, where I think you'd want to win four out of these five games. Um, that's a you know a lofty goal, but a definitely attainable one. Um, but maybe you get to Sunday and you're like, listen, we've still got a Rasmo who hasn't pitched all week. It's a getaway day. You got to play again on Monday. like you just kind of pump right. that one with the bullpen. And I and I and I and I like that about the Rays, uh, just because again you're prioritizing who's going to be ready come October, and when you're already down as many guys as you are, you really want to protect the ones that you've got. Um, so. I'm looking forward to this week, and I think it's another opportunity for the Rays to continue gaining ground. I know Miami's decent. Um, Cleveland is always going to put up a fight, but uh, it should be some winnable games, even though uh, they're on the road. Hopefully, um, I guess everyone who's listening that could be potentially impacted by the storm, uh, please stay safe. And uh, listen to mandatory evacuation orders, because once that storm starts, there's no coming to get you. So please be safe, everyone. All right, where are we going next, Darby? Uh so I think what I think what is
1: really interesting is this next series against Miami. We have not off day when the Cleveland series starts September first. Oh, yeah. which means rosters expand, which means the Rays get two extra players on that roster, which is really important. Uh, Topkin has said that September fifth. Is against boston look at the schedule here is the date slated for taj bradley's return mm-hmm. to the major so he probably has one more durham start he's scaling up his innings um been looking pretty good the last four starts have been really impressive um been very he's he's starting to like get into a groove again so that's good so he'll be back up uh seemingly i would imagine kind of into the rotation for the the stretch run uh but, yeah, there, there's some interesting ideas of, like, what – I actually don't know what the Rays will do there. You could see Meade back up. You could see
0: – It also sounds like Taylor Walls will be ready to go by Friday.
1: Walls, yeah, that's the that's the big thing. Is if he can get healthy, I think Walls comes back and, and probably replaces Vidal Brujan, who we know has an extra option, thanks to, thanks to Mark Topkin, um, his last option uh yeah i mean there seems to be some like little reinforcements you might could be also an opportunity to add like colby white Mm. maybe who's been rehabbing and starting to to build up could be an option to to add uh you know it's one of those things where you could see a cole sulcer kind of get a call up add an extra arm um but yeah it's some moving and shaking Anytime there's like a hard and fast date where the Rays will be adding something, you know, when it's like rule five d- uh, deadlines or the trade deadline or any of these things where you're like, okay, something's going to have to happen. So I'm always, you know, a little, little intrigued, always a little bit like what's going to happen. And so that's the mystery box coming after this Miami series is, could be walls and, and Taj Bradley, um, could be, uh, I mean, I think those guys are coming back soon. But then, how, what's the roster shakeout? Who's who's sticking? Who's uh, who's keeping? But yeah, something to look forward to um, as we get closer to the end of the week.
0: So, are you pretty confident in saying that you think uh, Oslevis Passabe will be sticking around, even with the addition of uh, of Taylor Walls?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, at this point in the season, I, I do. Uh, just looking at the playing time, Basabe's starting. He's hitting higher up in the lineup. Like I, I think Bruhan, even at this point, is still not like he is the utility guy. He is the backup. He is the emergency guy. He is not the guy that they – the Rays do not feel comfortable having him be the guy that they are penciling in when there's another option available. Yeah. So I so I think that to me says that Basabe sticks around. I think Walls will get a lot of playing time. I don't think Basabe has like a starting you know six out of seven games type of job. But I do think you could see a, a little time share there. I think you could even see some more rest for Paredes and Brandon Lau and Yandi. So I think you can you can do some things with both Basabe and Walls where you can have Walls and Basabe on the left side of the infield. And, you know, Paredes either gets a rest or he's at first and, uh, and Yandy gets a rest, or you could see some guys being put into the DH. I think the Rays will get once September comes around, that's like a really good month for the Rays to be able to get really flexible with it. Lots of pinch hitting, lots of pinch running, lots of defensive replacements, you know, cycling through and getting rest either full game or half game rest is just, an important thing that the Rays always tend to do in September leading into October.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how they play with the roster this last year. One last thing I wanted to touch before we get to, I guess what we'll call our raise your voice segment for this week. Uh, Yanni V.S. is leading the American league in batting average. Uh, he is 12 points ahead of Boba So at this point in the season, that's, that's a pretty good cushion. To have mm-hmm. uh, and Boba Shett just coming off an injury so not sure where he's gonna be uh, but he's also on pace to break the Rays single season batting average record uh, which is currently uh, Jason Bartlett's 320 batting average from the 2009 season uh, so six points ahead of that is Yandy Diaz right now if he keeps that pace he'll go into the Rays record books and I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to just say how how grateful I believe we both are for Yandy Diaz and his contributions in the lineup, uh, but might be uh, overshadowed for team MVP by his uh, other corner infield teammate, Isak Paredes, who just continues to mash and just pull every single baseball. I, I do think, I think, uh, I mean, just
1: kudos to both of those two guys. Like they they have both like, been absolute perfect uh like they have been involved in like most good raise like offense all year you know you you've seen guys like randy kind of slump and brandon Lau slump yandy and and paredes have been fairly consistent all throughout the year and been like that you know like steady steady uh steady place and uh Similar and different batters too. Like they both have really good. Makes it hard on a pitcher with their eye. Um, Paredes, it's all lift. It's all pull. Everything is pull. Um, and he hits a lot of home runs. Yandi, uh, he gets his own home runs this year. He's been he's been doing pretty well. He's up to what seventeen on the year. Yeah, uh, pretty good. But it's much more all over the field. It's peppering everything and uh, just. I I think Yandy Diaz is starting to get more and more noticed, rightfully so, as one of the truly great hitters in baseball. Yeah. Like just truly impressive elite hitters because he does not, he does not strike out very easily. If he's called, if it's a strikeout looking, it's wrong and the umpire is wrong. And Yandi will usually give him a look. He won't say that was a ball. He'll give him a look that says, do better. Do better. That was definitely a ball. When when baseball eventually does the uh the the tap where they do the uh review, mm-hmm. Yandi's gonna be a hundred percent. He's gonna be a hundred percent, he's gonna have like a perfect record for like three seasons in a row because he knows that strike zone so so well. And it's been so impressive to see him evolve as a hitter on the Rays because he's always been like a, a pesky hitter, like a really good hitter, an underrated hitter. Now this year, it feels like he is finally like emerged as like, yeah, this guy is like legit, amazing.
0: And not not only leads the American League in batting average; he's second in WRC plus behind only Shohei Otani, uh, which I think you can just count as like. De facto first place. Like, <laughs> Otani gets his own category. First place amongst mortals, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the Rays, on, on the other hand, have four of the top ten qualified hitters in WRC Plus in the American League. Uh, Yandi at 158, Paredes at 143, Rosarino at 129, and Wander Franco is still at 127. Still a qualified hitter. So, it's been a great year for Rays hitters all around. Darby, to end the show today, Uh, so we were watching this past Saturday as uh, the Rays inducted their third and final member of the inaugural Rays Hall of Fame class, and that was Carl Crawford, and this one hit me a little different than maybe Boggs or Zimmer. Um, I'm a little too young to remember uh, Boggs' time with the team. And Zimmer, I have some great memories, you know, meeting him at the ballpark a few times as a kid. Uh, but again, just different because he wasn't a player with the team. Seeing Carl Crawford get inducted was really special for me. He was like my first, like the first star that I got to witness playing for the then Devil, Devil Rays and then the Rays. And so seeing some of those uh, highlights replayed, seeing some of his former teammates that sent in videos, seeing a guy like BJ Upton there in attendance, man, that, that was just really cool uh to see Carl Crawford and his son was there who's now uh, a prospect uh going up in I, I want to say yeah. the Sox organization Phillies Phillies organization yeah. um and so one just now made me start to feel a little old right uh but really cool to see Carl Crawford inducted and it got me thinking uh we could obviously go through a list of guys that uh we we think should be in the Hall of Fame eventually um But with the Rays having inducted three this year in their inaugural class, Bog, Zimmer, and Crawford, um, I'm going to assume that the plan is next year, and we don't know this, uh, that they are going to induct three more. And so I think the more interesting discussion is not only, like, who belongs in the Hall of Fame. That's a long list uh, and up for debate based on the type of Hall of Fame you want the Rays to have. But I think the important question is, all right, who's next? Uh, so I know you and I off air, bounce some names around. Uh, but I, I think we've got a few good ideas. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Ald, uh Matt Silverman, whoever makes those decisions. If you're listening, uh, just take, <laughs> I'm sure you have thought long and hard about this, but uh, t- t- take our advice. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, I, one name that for me, without a doubt, um, deserves to be in as soon as possible. Um, and, and it's unfortunate that this would happen posthumously. Uh, But the late, great Dave Wills, Uh, you you just think about uh, and and there are a few other broadcasters that I hopefully, you know, when they're retired and they're enjoying their retirement, uh, can come back to the trop for their induction that are currently still working for the team. Uh, But Dave Wills was the voice of so many uh, great race moments uh, and, and it was just one of the voices of the race, and was with the organization for a long, long time, built such a great relationship. Uh, with his broadcast partner Andy Freed. and uh, I, I think like that's a, without a doubt he he should be in if not next year then the very very soon after. I think he's a automatic, yeah, absolutely automatic,
1: and um, I think next year is just makes all the sense in the world. Why why not? Just you know this is, this was a, a season sort of dedicated to him. Uh, the patch is there, and I think. Um, I I think that's just such a, I think it's, it's, he deserves to be in, obviously. Um, But uh, yeah, unfortunately this time it's posthumously, but absolutely going to be an amazing night. And I I think he is somebody that um, on the, on our list that we were talking about, we kind of thought about, we're kind of copying what the first year was, which was a legend, um, a legend kind of outside of the, the playing field. For for this franchise, uh, a legend who made an impact, but maybe briefly to the Devil Rays era, and then a a person who is synonymous with the team uh, and yeah. greatness. And so Dave Wills, I think, falls perfectly into the same thing with Zimmer, but even more of an impact, I'd say, on on uh tampa bay devil ray and and rays baseball because that is the voice of, of well, the the devil rays and the rays
0: as much as as Dwayne uh is right and with, with broadcasters right like will started i believe the 05 season was it when, when him and freed started and you know that was almost 20 years ago and there's no yeah. player there's no coach there's no manager there's no front office member uh uh, other than, I think, like Bill Evers, who's still like, I think is, he does something with the Rays. Uh, no one sticks around that long with your Charlie Montoya mm-hmm. did for a long time, but like with the big league club. And so like for a broadcaster to have that long lasting of an impact. And, and obviously, I think I think Stats and Andy Freed are both Hall of Famers as well. And, 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 totally. um, but I think the timing would, would make sense for, for Wills. Uh, but I know you've got a, a legend name that you think would be a, a great addition
1: Think it's so. This is one of those ones where if they wanted to keep a similar kind of three era or or kind of three kind of category thing, um, I think you could roll in the good time uh, parade of Fred McGriff from from he's doing his Hall of Fame kind of run now. The crime dog, uh, kind of a Tampa Bay area legend. Uh, even more than, than uh, obviously a Devil Ray. But he was there in the inaugural season. Uh, he put up two really great years with with the Devil Rays. Um, one of the first truly great Devil Rays players. Uh, and uh, I, I think you could have Fred McGriff. He was a little busy this year, I think, with the whole actual Hall of Fame <laughs> yeah. in Cooperstown. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think like, why not just keep the the party going for the crime dog? and uh this is the one we actually kind of the the most debate about not so much that like he probably doesn't belong there he obviously does but like do you do this so early or do you maybe go with more of a like Ray's classic and we we kind of went back and forth on it
0: yeah I've I've been looking at Fred McGriff's uh, baseball reference page throughout the episode and and I I guess I, I I knew he played you know several years of the Rays uh I did not realize, so obviously the Braves, he had the most games played in, 636. Uh, Then Toronto, 578. He played with the Devil Rays, 577. So just one less game than he did with the Blue Jays. Uh, Had 2,400 plate appearances with the Devil Rays. Had 99 home runs with the Devil Rays. And so, again, just because I was a little too young to experience it, I don't know if I've like ever really like properly appreciated what where McGriff stands in in Ray's lore. Uh, he is eighth most home runs in in a Devil Rays uniform uh, with those ninety nine. Brandon Lau just recently passed him, um, mm-hmm. and and to, to to do that also, and I think this is this is part of Boggs too, being that local presence. I think is something mm-hmm. that's really important. Um, especially as, as the Rays hope, hopefully, uh, continue to to grow their footprint in the Tampa Tampa Bay area, um, and so I have no complaints about the Crime Dog, who is uh, the only other you know true like Devil Rays Hall of Famer in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. So, I I I, I like that one, and I think there's a few other players that are definitely deserving. Uh, But maybe you're just recently retired. Maybe you give that a little bit more time. And you also want to continue to stretch this out. We don't know. Like if they do three inductees a year, they might run out of like of of deserving inductees within like five or six years. So maybe they slow it down. But uh, we're just assuming for this exercise that it's just three. So. I, I like McGriff. Start,
1: you life. start strong. I think you start yeah. strong. You know, maybe the first couple of years, you kind of get a bunch of like the, the classics. McGriff is such an interesting one because when the Hall of Fame debate came about, it was sort of like, what is, which team does he go in as? And everybody immediately was like, oh, obviously this. And everyone, and like, but there was like four answers. Like there, he is not a guy who I think you can like, be like, absolutely, definitely this team. Like, I think growing up, the era, you know, when I was a kid, it was the Braves, and that's who I'm kind of synonymous with. But if you look through, like, and you follow his career, like, his best years were in Toronto, uh, which I don't know how much like it feels like most of the highlights you don't you don't see the Toronto, but like he was great there. He was really good in San Diego, like that's probably his second best like stretch of any team. And then he he was great with the Braves. He was great with the the Devil Rays. Like that is, uh, you know, we obviously, there was a lot of debate about how like Fred McGriff had a really deserving Hall of Fame case. and, and And it took a while. Like when you really dive in, you're like, man, this guy really deserved to be in the Hall of Fame. He was like a extremely good, like he was a hit. He like was one of the best hitters in baseball from 1987 up until about 2002, like that's that's in, that's just remarkable, like absolutely remarkable. He was the model of consistency. His lowest, his worst hitting season in that stretch from 1987 to 2002 was a 107 WRC plus, where he slashed 277, 373, 452 with 27 home runs. That was his worst offensive year. Yeah. Like amazing, crime dog. Absolutely. And again, local fresh off the Hall of Fame. I think it's the I think it's the right time because I think he's getting there no matter what. Why not just be like bam, bring back, you know, an actual, you know, hall of famer um in the area. Absolutely.
0: It, it makes a lot of sense. And for the third one, I think uh, we had a couple of different answers, but someone who is synonymous with the golden age of Rays baseball that that 2008 to 2010 those those three years and you know past that as well. But a pitcher who uh, is just uh, again like he is truly a Rays pitcher. And uh, there's a couple mm-hmm. other guys that have had some success with other teams. But James Shields, big game James. For, for for I believe you brought his name up first, but I was in full agreement. Um, again there are some other names that maybe i don't know like but for for next year i i think it's time for big game james
1: this this is a tough one for that third one uh i think we the the biggest other debate was uh boss man uh Bossman jr bj upton yeah. um but uh and it was great to see bj at uh at the trop for for crawford's induction um so, so I think for me, Bossman's immediately. Bossman Junior is is two years from now. Like mm-hmm. that's the next class. He can't wait any more than that. Um, but yeah, I think James Shields. I I want him in that next class. Um, from 2006 to 2012, when he was with the the Devil Rays and the Rays, which is kind of kind of again fitting to the transitional period. Like Carl Crawford, who he he pitched well, he played well as a devil ray and then got to see success with the franchise like like Carl Crawford uh he he had a 3.89 ERA a 3.84 FIP through 1454 innings um just absolute workhorse the the uh complete games the 11 complete games in the 2011 season was just like just remarkable Thirty-three starts and one third of them, he went the entire distance. Like, absolutely, one of my absolute favorite pitchers of all time. His changeup was a electric, uh, just just a spectacular, uh, spectacular pitcher. And it was really cool to see him throughout the first pitch uh, this year. And he he's one of those guys where he's you know retired not not too long ago, but he's still active uh, it, with, with philanthropic work in the area. He's, he's, you know, still looks good. Uh, you know, it could maybe, you know, get him as those pitchers were going down for the Rays. you know, you maybe like give him a little bit of a workout and see if he can get like two innings, um, do the Erasmo type of deal. But, uh, no, I think, uh, I think, uh, big game James coming in, uh, next year would be, would, would I I would, I would love to see that.
0: Yeah, and and again, there's obviously no slight to like the BJ Uptons of the world, Ben Zobrist, Carlos Pena, um, oh, yeah. Kevin Kiermeyer eventually after his playing days are done, David Price, um now that he's officially retired. Um
1: and I eventually the, the crowning jewel of Evan Longoria. Evan
0: Longoria, of course, when, when but but,
1: but yeah, it's now. tough. You you can't you know, Price just is retiring. Longoria still still playing. Kiermaier is still you know, in a playoff hunt, you know, like he's still like a key contributor in that. So, yeah, those guys, you know, like eventually, eventually and, they're there. But and I,
0: I think the Rays have, have a, uh, like for like the off the field, the non-player side. They, they've got enough uh, people that are are probably deserving. Um, you, you look at like a Joe Madden. Eventually, um, we talked about Dwayne Stats and Andy Freed. Vince DiMole might be another posthumous mm-hmm. induction um, there, there are a number of, pe- of people. Andrew Friedman. Um, at at some point, I don't know when that would be. Um, and then yeah, I think they they definitely still have a, a solid list uh, of players. Um, but yeah, I, I think like Shields is just one of those where I think he, he's talked so openly about how much he loved his time with the Rays and and all those guys have. Um, but, man, it, I'm all for, like, just more 2008 reunions. Um, I was there for one of the 2008 reunions a couple of years ago uh, for the, like, 10th anniversary season of that, and or the 20th anniversary season for the team. And so I'm all for, like, seeing more of those guys at the ballpark. I know Jason Bartlett's been, like, hang, hanging around. I think he lives in the area. Um, when, I, when I was there, like, Akinori Iwamura came back. I'm um, just like more excuses for me to see those guys because that, that is still, yeah. uh, I think my favorite race team of all time. Um, but yeah, the, the Hall of Fame, I'm, I'm very glad that the Rays decided to introduce it this year, something that I thought they needed for, for a long time. Um, the other thing that you, you and I mentioned off air is, and hopefully, you know, we'll get something with the new stadium is like a true Rays museum at the yes. ballpark. Um, because there are a lot of other players involved in a lot of other great moments um, that maybe aren't Hall of Fame worthy, Dan Johnson being, I think, the best example of that. And, and there are people out there that think he should be in the Hall of Fame, and I'll let you have that opinion. Um, but but to honor that moment, like I think they've tried to do it with 162 landing. I don't know, the, the trap just, I don't, know it, I don't know if it really lends itself for like those types of, of museums. They've always had the Hitters Hall of Fame at the trap, which is awesome. Um, yeah it, it's definitely something that you can like dedicate in the
1: plans for the new stadium a section that yeah you can truly honor like and it's not just like retiring numbers it's it's like having the um in seattle at t-mobile park there's a great uh little kind of mariners hall of fame little boardwalk uh with a a little bar that's like the shortest beer lines in the stadium so hot tip for everybody <laughs> um but you go down that way it's really cool because you do have these full uh glossy panel uh, about you know each player and then there's like a tv showing highlights about that player and then you and some memorabilia from that so you have like randy johnson and ken griffey jr but then you also have like you know jay Buner and dan wilson and freddie garcia and like you know guys that are really impactful and important members of this uh, this team that's not necessarily just like only legends, but like people that m- matter to that team and to fans of that team. And yeah. so I think that's something that the Rays, as they build this out, I think that's something they can absolutely do and, and they should. And I think starting to celebrate their Tampa and St. Pete-ness and to celebrate mm-hmm. their history. This is a team that, you know the first ten years, uh, not successful winning, but like there was some pretty awesome moments and some great players. But there's been a serious, like from 2008 on. There's very few franchises that can claim this consistent level of of success, uh, like regular season into the into postseason appearances to. Star players that like actually left an impact, so and and really entertained fans. So I think I think it's something worthy of of celebrating. I'm glad they're embracing it now.
0: Yeah, and that's where you can honor like like we said, the Dan Johnsons, the Brett Phillips, Sam Fold, right? Like these these true yes. like truly yes. raised heroes uh, that that maybe you, you know you wouldn't give you know a, Hall of, a true Hall of Fame induction, but are definitely worthy of of immortalization in the Rays Hall of Fame. So. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. We'll see if uh, by the time you hear from us next, the race have made up any ground on Baltimore in the AL East race. Uh, Darby, thank you again, as always. And uh, if you enjoy what we do, make sure to subscribe or follow on your preferred podcast platform so that every new episode of Raise Your Voice is downloaded directly to your device As always, make sure to head on over to draysbay.com to check out all of that great raise coverage. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.